Welcome to the Resound Worship Songwriting Podcast, episode 69. I'm Joel Payne. I'm Keiko Ying. And this is a podcast to equip and inspire grassroots songwriters serving their local church. In this episode, we'll be dissecting the classic song We Will Feast in the House of Zion by Sandra McCracken, reviewing July's Justice Songs Challenge and setting a new challenge for August, as well as responding to your tweets, posts and emails. Keiko, welcome to the podcast as guest host. Hi, hi Joel. It's, been, it's a while since we've had a guest host. I'm quite, I'm quite oh. excited, a little bit nervous. Well, well I'm kind of a poor substitute for Sam Hargreaves. But. Oh, well, I don't know about poor substitute. <laughs> a more than adequate substitute. Yeah, Sam's off off on his holidays. So uh, yeah, it's me, but uh, Keiko's no stranger to the podcast. Um, so it's going to be fun to host together. Keiko, what have Yay. you been up to since we last encountered one another online? Um, well, it's been a pretty quiet summer. Um, our lives have been pretty simple. Um, it's strange because this time of year, normally we are, my family is in the state of Maine um, at the Bowdoin International Music Festival. Mm. Um, my husband and I are both uh, classical musicians, and he's actually the um, art- well co-artistic director of the festival there. So usually we're so busy with... Um, teaching and faculty performances there are students that come from all over um and it's kind of close to the coast so you know we're used to eating lobster and all those good things you associate with i don't know if you're familiar with the state of maine um but anyway so we're not doing that of course because of the lockdown yeah um so that's that's sad but i've really enjoyed just kind of living a quiet simple life at home with the girls and it's um allowed for more time uh, I'm kind of excited about a little project, um, exciting for me anyway. There's a um, Rachel Wilhelm and Bruce Benedict um, with Cardiphonia um, are kind of spearheading this project, which is an album of laments mm-hmm. um, that are s- kind of responses to um, just what's been going on in our country over the past couple of months. Um and and it's all women all writers yeah, so that's that's been really fun to be a part of that and i i had kind of started um i was about halfway through writing a lament anyway when um, i was asked to contribute um which was for the 12 song challenge so that was that was fun that oh, overlapped. yeah so i'm really excited about that we're kind of finishing up um recording and working with what do you call it a an engineer like a sound engineer is that what you call it i don't know i'm working with someone helping with with the tracks i think it's probably Um, it might be a mix engineer is it oh a mix engineer i don't know Uh, well anyway someone who's working magic and making me sound a whole lot better than i do brilliant (laughs) and then and i think i think that'll come out well rachel might be able to talk more about it but i'm thinking it might come out in September or something so brilliant well we're going to hear from Rachel a bit later in the podcast aren't we so that will that'll be exciting um I I said that Sam's been off off on his well he's not on holidays his wife comes from Sweden so they tend to decamp to Sweden for a month or so in the summer and I think they just sort of the the lockdowns were reduced enough that they could Mm -hmm. relaxed enough that they could drive all the way through Europe and, and find their way there it's always, always oh, wow. very impressive. They go through a number of countries. Um, and I've been away on my holidays too. I've been to this wonderful little place, which I suspect you haven't heard of, 
in, you might have. It's a, a little group of islands off the southwest coast of Cornwall called the Scilly Isles. No, it's not. No, I learned this. It's not called the Scilly Isles. It's called the Isles of Scilly. That's quite important, actually, it turns Silly. out. Scilly? Scilly. S-C-I-L-L-Y. Okay. Absolutely beautiful. Okay. It's about 20 miles off the off the southwest coast of Cornwall. And um, the only way to get there is to pay a lot of money and go in a helicopter or a tiny little plane or take a fairly um, or, or take a ferry, which has quite a reputation for causing seasickness. So I just take lots of tablets and fall asleep. Several in our party did suffer this time. But what that means is when you get there, it's uh, it's the most beautiful sort of um, kind of Cornish fishing village kind of feel, which is a really popular thing to go to in the UK in the summer. Uh, but normally they are with, packed with crowds and crowds of people. But here on the Isles of Scilly, it's always feels more or less empty so social distancing was invented there i think and uh, we just continued it so i had the most wonderful time so getting on the boat and sitting on the beach and, and was that the first time uh, you've been there or? no it was the it was the third time we uh, most people who go there get a bit hooked and start going back and um i found whenever we go on the for- on the ferry we get chatting to someone and they have it's always their 40th year or something like that i think we oh, wow. we're already booking for next year Oh, wow. But don't tell anyone, Sounds actually. Amazing. Don't tell anyone about okay. it, because otherwise they'll all start going. <laughs> I'll just delete this bit. Um, yeah. Okay. So I've been doing that, and then um, so I've missed a sort of big chunk in the month, but then come back in, and then it's been... And everyone's getting bored of me talking about doxicology, but these album projects are such big, big beasts. And this week, and while I was away, actually, it was getting the mixers back from the mix engineer and and checking those through and sending them back for revisions and so on. I find at that point I'm I feel fairly redundant. So Matt our um our producer while we're while we're creating the stuff I've got lots of ideas and thoughts but then when it when we get the mixes back I tend to just think wow they sound amazing. <laughs> and, and Matt is then pinpointing all the different bits. So that's what we're doing and then we upload everything at the end of this week, send it off for, for manufacture and so on. Um, and when this goes out, because we do record it a few days early, um, uh, I think more or less on the day this goes out, we will be launching the first song, the first single from Doxicology. Ah, oh, that's exciting. Yeah, super that's exciting. That's so exciting. Yeah. So, oh, I'm going to stick that on the end of the podcast, I think. Yeah. Let's put it on oh, the perfect. end. Let's have that. Perfect. Perfect. Let's dissect a classic. Dissect a classic. Our classic for this month is We Will Feast in the House of Zion by Sandra McCracken. It's a newer classic, in some ways a slightly more niche classic in that it doesn't climb high up the CCLI charts, but I know with lots of our uh, listeners um, this will be a song that they know. And within those circles that are familiar with it, it's incredibly popular and uh, sung a lot. So it's a great one to have a look at. And um, Sandra is a a songwriter I think we both respect very much. Um, Keiko, Mm -hmm. could you just give us a, a, a quick burst of a sort of verse and chorus of it just to familiarise us we Protected 
Brilliant. Thank you. It's a beautiful song. It's a song of um, of hope for the future, isn't it? It's a sort of, you know, whatever circumstances we're going through, it's a song that resolutely says, we will feast in the house of Zion. We will sing with hearts restored. And that's the kind of tone of it, isn't it, as it goes through. From um, I think it was from, I know it was on the, the 2015 Psalms album. I don't know if it had been published or in circulation before that, but certainly that's the that's the best place to find it. Where would you so Keiko, what we normally do, as you know, is we pull out a few a few pluses, a few things we think contribute to making this uh, the classic that it is or is becoming. What would you pick out from here? Um, I I was am most drawn to the chorus. I think it's really memorable. Um, it has that kind of um, familiar uh, this kind of chord progression that um, mm. it's in so many songs and. Um, it's just easy to sing a lot the the we language and yeah. words together. Um, I I found it only took you know one listen or something and I and I could sing right along. Mm. Um, and I like how um, there's there's quite a bit of contrast in the verses where you know the harmony kind of slows down um, and it sort of is talking about you know our experience on earth. Um, but then at the end of each verse, it's got this kind of rising bass line that kind of comes up like this. And, um, and, it, and so the harmony speeds up and it's rising and it sort of kind of uh, sets up the chorus really nicely again. Mm. Um, so it's, uh, yeah, I think it's really satisfying in that way. Yeah. There's a couple of things I, I picked out. There's a, a feature in it several times in the song where there are these movements in thirds with the bass line so the melody moves in thirds with the bass line we talk about some this mm -hmm. sometimes i don't know if people always understand but generally speaking and you'll know better than me why this is keiko but generally speaking if you move in fifths or octaves with the bass line it's quite jarring but if you move in okay. thirds it feels very it usually feels very pleasing and sweeter and just a more um more natural movement and it does it again and again what what key is it in e uh i'm doing it in e yeah so you get this one here and then you get a similar thing each of those now had had it gone the do 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 which you could have harmonized it as you hear how sort of hollow that is but when it goes in thirds and i think for any songwriters who have those kind of movements where especially where the words move with the you know, as the harmony moves the syllables move um i think it's a really good illustration of how it, it feels incredibly intuitive and incredibly singable because each time it does those movements it's doing them in thirds and it's a good mm -hmm. thing to look out for especially i find i'm listening sometimes i listen to a melody i think why doesn't that melody sound quite right there's something about it and often you dig in you find mm -hmm. it's actually the intervals with it mm -hmm. within the harmony that sound a bit strange um and then i also thought i really um it has this it has a sort of slow walk, doesn't it, to it, in its tempo. Which mm -hmm. it's kind of sense of movement. And it couples that with the, the kind of the key emphatic words, so all on, or on crotchets or quarter notes, 
we will fix really steady. Mm-hmm. And I think we can get really tempted sometimes to throw in syncopations everywhere, try and make things interesting. But that's one of the things that um, it makes it very, for me, it makes it very singable, but it also gives mm-hmm. a kind of gravitas to the words. Mm-hmm. And it makes it sound congregational, doesn't it? As soon as you, you just you kind Absolutely. of ready to sing it, and you're ready to if you can sing a harmony, you're ready to throw that in as well because it's really easy to find. Mm-hmm. But then what it does in the verse is it just switches it up a little bit, doesn't it? With the we were do 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 do, and actually slows sort of speeds up and gives a bit of syncopation, and then slows down the harmony behind it, so the chords move more slowly. Then, mm-hmm. so when the chords are moving quickly, the melody is very straight and simple. And when the chords are moving slowly, there's a bit more room for the harmony for the melody to play around. And I think that's a that's mm-hmm. a real strength of it. Uh, on to the tricky bit. Um, we always <laughs> we always have a go at improving these. We always say if they'd brought it to us, what might we have said? What might we have suggested? So, uh, KK, I'll put you on the spot. If Sandra had brought this to you. Um, as Node actually will in the future when she's writing her songs. Um, what might have you have suggested just for those little tweaks and improvements? Um, well, I um, obviously it works as it is just because it's used so much and it's it's not a problem. I will say that when I first heard it, um, I had a little bit of a hard time feeling like I could sing along easily with the verses mm. just because there's some slight variations Um I guess I didn't sing sing them, but there are variations melodically, just if there's like an extra syllable. Yeah. Um, and there are places where, so for example, uh, let's see, the first, um, we, we will not be burned. And then there's a pause. Uh, by the fire, which works. But then in a later verse, it's every vow we've broken and betrayed so there's like this elongated word that gets stuck onto the next bit so when I was just it's obvious when I'm looking at like a lead sheet but if I'm you know looking up at lyrics on a screen I I don't I feel like it might take me a few tries to figure out how to sing Mm. um those those bits yeah I mean I I completely agree with that I think that's the the thing you see is that it it's not it's not super tight writing you know where you've taken each little bit and fitted it perfectly in and that particular i made note of that as well there's there's a fair bit of bridging going on so in the you know when you when you do your first verse of a song you set the way the phrases should be shaped we will not be Mm -hmm. burned by the fire so there's always going to be a break there we are not consumed Mm -hmm. By the flood, upheld, protected, gathered up. I mean, that, the whole verse, the, the whole lyric writing there really shapes the way that's going to work. And that last line each time does kind of does kind of carry the same kind of shape. But as the song goes on, for the um, every vow we broke and betrayed from the garden to the grave. Now, it does introduce a quite nice little melody because that little inflection up is quite nice, isn't it? Mm-hmm. But yeah, as a general rule, make life easy for a congregation. If you've introduced the shape of a phrase and there's clearly a gap, the best way is to try and shape your lyrics around that and put a natural pause um, into that gap. Mm-hmm. And she's also set up um, a pattern where there's kind of a syllable on every note and then there's one awkward spot that I kept tripping me up every time I tried to sing it in the last verse. Um, Let's see. You are the faithful one, and from yeah. and from the uh, so, um, 
just another it's so tiny it's yeah. a small detail it's a little bit it of was, difference it was between a spot. The, the very congregational approach and the slightly more singer-songwriter approach isn't it and i think it's sort of sandra just straddle those genres in in the style of writing well hey what do we know yeah. but we 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 have a go at these things anyway uh, but it's a great thought so it's a great song thank you sandra 12 song it's time to review the justice songs challenge from april we set you the challenge of writing a song on the theme of justice we had a bit of input uh, by our new friend jack from tear fund and uh, we just thought about various ways in particular perhaps various parts of a gathered time of worship where you could address this theme and and how you might approach it Lots of you, once again, have been getting stuck in. We we continue to be amazed and astounded by the sheer quantity of songs that are being written. I mean, we we're into the thousands now. I I should think we're getting close to that in the in this twelve song challenge this year. Mm-hmm. Um, I have to admit, though, I've been on holiday for most of this month, and um, <laughs> since I got back, I have not had time to dig in. So I'm a I'm a li- coming in a little bit blind, and I have not yet written my song for um, <laughs> July. Um, and nor well, yeah. Sometimes I I scratch something together the night before we we record, but this time I haven't even managed that. So I promise I'm gonna get it done. By the time <laughs> this goes out, I'll have a song up there. Um, but I'm not gonna fake it. I'm not there yet. So um, I'm really hoping that Keiko has been paying much more attention than me to what's been happening. And you can give us a kind of overview of the month and then pick out um, a couple that we could have a a look at. Sure. Um, It's been an interesting month because I I feel like um, what I notice the most about people's posts, they all start with, well, I had a really hard time this month. Mm. (laughs) And so um, not everybody, but uh, I, I saw that a lot. And so I think... Um, it was a tricky subject. Mm. Um, justice, it, it, it's a hard, I feel like it gets thrown around a lot and it can sort of have a lot of baggage and mean different things to different people. Um, and it's hard too, cause I mean, I'm just guessing here. I mean, uh, I mean, I had a hard time mm. actually this month and these are some of the reasons that I had a hard time with it. Um, I think we kind of all feel inadequate in a way writing, about a subject that, you know, we personally feel like we don't measure mm. up. Um, and then I, I don't know, I think, um, I think it's tricky to write songs, congregational songs, particularly, that kind of move toward rants yeah. or like have an accusatory yeah. tone, potentially. Um, it's just hard to imagine that working easily with a whole group singing together. Mm. Um, and so maybe those might be some of the reasons why, um, it was, it was just tricky and, but it was, I think it was a really good month because I think, um, I think it was really valuable to wrestle with some of these really important things, especially with just, um, it feels so relevant now with what's, what's going on. So it's, so it was important. Yeah. Songwriting Um, is a great way to engage with things sometimes, isn't it? It's a, you just, you think with a slightly different shaped brain as you, approach them if you try and just mm-hmm. consider it, if you try and just wrestle with it as a mental exercise it gets mm-hmm. you to a certain place but actually trying to do it in the context of writing a song trying to think about putting things in the mouths of other people what's going to make sense congregation mm-hmm. you have to really think through stuff that you might have just glibly gone along with um 
to try and make sense with it. And I found, you know, the, a number of times when we've done these challenges where it's been something a bit more difficult, my understanding and my own journey within that thing has has developed. And um, I've, been, mm-hmm. I've been grateful for doing it, even if the song at the end of it is not much use to anybody. It's been quite useful to me. Right. So what have you seen going on on the forum then? Um, well, I... Um would love to be able to share one song by Dan Jasma. Um, he just wrote this incredible, he had, I don't know if he started with a groove or not, but the groove he had was just amazing. And it was just six words um, he started with, the words, let justice roll like a river. And um, so it was, really, it was really interesting. Maybe we should listen to it first. But um, yeah, he started with six words and that was it. And it was just repeated and repeated. And I thought for sure that was going to be his chorus, but it ended up being his verses. And then Travis Ham came along and contributed um, an idea for a chorus. Um, and so it turned into a kind of an interesting, unexpected approach to um, lyrics, well, at least in my experience, for verses in a chorus. So I thought it'd be really fun to share that one. Right, let's have a listen. Justice broke like a river. Let justice roll like a river. Let justice roll like a river. Like a Paul. I'm always um, I know. I'm always a little bit jealous of people who have the courage to use repetition well. It's so tempting to fill the space to over elaborate to through compose, isn't it? And mm-hmm, he just mm-hmm. I've got a few simple phrases and I can see how this thing has built. You know, it starts off that very simple so it's literally just let justice roll like a river, let justice roll like a river, let justice roll like a river, like a river, let it roll. And they just expand a little bit by by moving on to righteousness, rain, mercy, flow. So it's still got similar metaphors, but just very subtly different, um, subtly different language, just broadening the meaning of it. Yeah, I, I love it. Um, it's, it was such an interesting approach too, because I normally think of a verse as kind of fleshing out a lot of mm. ideas and then... And then a chorus being a place to kind of simplify, and maybe that would be the place to to repeat mm. um, if you're going to repeat. But I kind of I kind of like this, and I like the the harmonic changes and the way it kind of builds and climbs and climbs and climbs mm. um, with each repetition. Yeah, it's at every every bit of it. It's really easy to sing. Yeah. 
along to. So. What a great little contribution from Travis as well. Um, Travis is so, you know, he's been being involved with this for the last, I think this is the third year, and he's always making, um, always makes substantial, when he joins in, he makes a substantial contribution. He'll really offer, you know, he'll offer you a whole verse or a whole chorus or a complete redraft or, or something. And that's amazing. It's so generous. Um, yeah. Of him to share that. Well. Yeah, he's definitely helped me on a lot of my uh, songs. Mm. So, so this was really fun to see how Dan took on his idea for a chorus and kind of made it his own. But it's you know, it's it was a really great yeah. collaboration. It reminds me a little bit of songs from the seven sort of sixties and seventies. It's got a bit more of that flavour when the the move from hymns into choruses, and and so it generally mm. was the case that songs were very simple, were very repetitive. Um, and consequently, were very congregationally singable, and you can see why that's then mm-hmm. since developed into you know, richer, more lyrical songs as well. Um, but it's uh, yeah, and just the the tone. There's something about the tone of it, isn't there? It doesn't. It could have really. It could have wallowed. It could have. But there's a kind of. Mm-hmm. It's not mm-hmm. quite bright, but it is. Mo- it's getting there. It's kind of, we're moving towards something, mm-hmm. and it's yeah, great job, Dan. Really good. Really yeah, like that one. Yeah, I love it. Love um, it. Now you've I know you've been in, involved in one or two. You've got um you've had your own attempt, but you've also had a go at, at writing a tune for some words from Kate Blewett as well, haven't you? So tell us about that and then we'd love to hear yeah. about that. Well <laughs> yeah, I I mean as I mentioned I did have a really hard time this month, so I feel like I, I did write something. Um, but then I feel like I kind of cheated because um, lyrics are just harder for me. And um, there's this phenomenal um, lyric writer that's been writing with us all along named mm. Kate Blewett. Um, so I kind of worked up my courage to ask if she would um, be willing to collaborate on something with me. And she was like, sure. And then like a couple hours or something, she had this entire gorgeous um, wow. song. Well, a set yeah. of lyrics. Um, and, um, I had sent her Isaiah 58 as a possibility. And, um, so it seemed to speak to her too. So, uh, so yeah, she wrote a song based on Isaiah 58. Um, she kind of started with, um, Finlandia, the melody that Be Still My Soul is set to. Yeah. Um. Finnish national anthem as well. Yeah. Oh, is that right? Okay. Um. Yeah, makes it slightly which, strange for Finnish people <laughs> we see it. it's, it's an incredible <laughs> tune it's an incredible tune it is um, and one of the reasons I'm guessing that she picked that to kind of as her starting point to um, for a structure is that it's six lines long and so you'll hear that um, it's it's slightly asymmetrical in, in that you know normally you've got Four, four lines or eight lines that kind of make you feel mm-hmm. comfortable um, in their symmetry. But this is six lines. Um, and there was a conversation um, in the thread about that because it does leave you kind of, uh, you get to the sixth line and you kind of feel like off balance or something. Um, but it was an interesting b- discussion because I think that was really purposeful because yeah. um, it's really effective to write um, uncomfortable mm-hmm. lyrics um, using you know a six line kind and of and it's format. an A B so, A B A B rhyme structure, isn't it? In the, y- yes, yeah. yes, yeah. So you're set up to expect, you know, A B A B, and yeah. that four felt like a unit, 
and then another ABAB yeah. or something, you know, ACAC or something like that. Um, so, so yeah, it is, it is a little bit uncomfortable. Um, it's, that's a passage where, um, I think it might've been the first one that was suggested, mm. uh, last month, um, where God is speaking to the prophets or to Isaiah, um, telling him to speak to the people. And Kate kind of took that and, um, it was interesting the way, uh, what do you call it? The voice where she's, the, the lyrics are addressing the prophets yeah. actually. Um, and so it enabled her to write kind of uncomfortable, difficult things, um, in kind of a roundabout way and kind of an indirect yeah. way. So it enables you to sing these, these, uh, difficult, difficult things, um, and not feel awkward about yeah. it. I don't. I don't know. I guess we should. We should let me it. just quickly read the, <laughs> the words of the first verse, and then let's have a, a listen. So, so okay. it's the just the text. Cry out, O prophets! Cry and do not spare them, but use the rod to steer the straying sheep. Cry out God's words and pray His own will hear them and turn and take path that's hard and steep. I pray the Lord will see their wounds and heal them, for they have made the loving Saviour weep. Cry out, O prophets! Cry and do not spare.
lovely. I so I love the way you've done that last line because you you do you think oh we're off into the B section, and then it just wraps up mm-hmm. with that dominant and takes you take just kind of takes you home, and and just leaves it kind of leaves the thing ringing doesn't it in your ears? It leaves the ideas ringing rather than you. Uh, quite often you move into a new section you sort of leave the, the previous one behind, but the shape of this doesn't allow that. It kind of focuses the whole thing at the end. That's that's lovely. That's a great job. Oh, yeah. Come on. Excellent. Challenge is on. <laughs> You've set the standard and I've got <laughs> two days to try and get somewhere near it. So that's my challenge. Come on, I can do this. I can I can beat them. That's what it's all about. <laughs> Brilliant. So finally, uh we have to pick the 12 song challenge start of the month for someone who's been making Lots of contributions and being generally encouraging and supportive to people. Do you have a nomination for us, Keiko? Uh, well, that's tough because yeah, there's so many no. helpful people. But um, I mean, if I had to pick someone, I guess maybe Stephen Sloss. Yeah. You know, he doesn't write a ton. He just has this beautiful ability to be really encouraging, but then say one one thing that kind of hints at um, something that could be improved. And, and again, he kind of sticks with the mm. thread. Um, and follows up on subsequent um, changes. So, um, and he's always been that way. He's uh, been very active in past years as well. So he's my brilliant he's my pick. star of the month. Stephen Sloss, <laughs> take a bow. Yay. It's time to move on to the August challenge, and our August challenge is to write songs inspired by the women of Scripture. There are lots of female characters in the Bible, some of them uh, more uh, prominent than others. But throughout the pages, there are all these different female characters who have lives and words that um, we can use to inspire us. So we just thought we wanted to bring their lives and voices into focus this month. And uh, so we want you to write a song which is somehow inspired by women or a woman of scripture. It could be that you tell a specific story in a song. It could be that you set some text. There are some you know, very well-known Bible um, songs written by women, so the Magnificat, for example. Um, it could be that you actually want to write something taking a broader view of women and femininity in scripture. Or, um, as we often say with these things, it might be that that's kind of your launch pad and your seed idea and you go in there and find something just a single phrase or something you don't have to fully make it whole essay on a woman or women it might just be that's where you launch off but that's where you go to go and find your seed idea um and um i thought rather than me carry on talking about this we bring in one or two of our 12 song challenges and um hear what what they have to say uh well i'm really excited to be able to um sharing a little conversation now with um, Rachel Wilhelm and Rebecca Beese. Um, um, would, would each of you mind just um, sharing a little bit about who you are and what you do? Rachel, maybe you can sure. share first. Um, my name is Rachel Wilhelm, and I am a singer-songwriter, and I also head up um, the <laughs> ministry portion um, of United Adoration in the United States. So I am the U.S. team leader. Um, United Adoration is a is a ministry um, through the Anglican Church in North America, and we um, we seek to revitalize the worship arts within the local global church. Um, so we are um, exactly as I describe, like. We are local, and then we are also global. So we, we have work that we do all around the U, uh, the U.S. and also all around the globe. 
So um, I do that, and I am also a worship arts director and artist in residence at my local church in um, Decula, Georgia. That's in the Atlanta area. Um, and it's an awesome little church plant, and I'm so proud of them, and I love them so much. Um, and it's just a really great place for me um, as an artist to, to create and thrive. Wow, and sometime, somehow on top of all of that, you are able to create tons of amazing, beautiful music. Oh, thank you. <laughs> and, um, and Rebecca? Um, I'm Rebecca and I'm from uh, Whitney in West Oxfordshire um, in the beautiful Cotswolds and uh, my husband and I lead the local church there um, and we're part of our wider leadership team within our region and there are four churches we work with um, and then sort of wider into our sphere which kind of reaches from Ascot across to Wales. So um, I'm involved in leading worship locally and in regionally and on a sphere and sometimes a sometimes a national level um, and sometimes travel a little bit as well and do a few things overseas um, visiting churches. Uh, my heart is to train and release uh, worship leaders starting from 12 year olds who are involved in our worship team um, and uh, yeah just seeing how we can support the local churches developing their their worship teams and um, part of that is writing songs for the local church to release them and see what what do we need to be singing what's our story and haven't you um worked a little bit with teaching um the younger kids to write is is that something yeah. you still do yeah well, i my kids go to our local um church school and they ask for each parent to give half a day a week so my half day is teaching music and um so i do a lot of um song production with the children and get them to write songs so yeah we'll have classes of 15 and you've got to get all of their crazy ideas that are like sprouting off all over the place into one one coherent song which is fun and they absolutely love it it's just a great way to spend an afternoon yeah, I've heard a couple of examples of what you've done with them. It's pretty amazing that you're able to do that with with, with, with kids. Well, um, since we're heading into a month of um, writing about um, women in Scripture or writing songs inspired by women in Scripture, um, I'm really excited to hear from you guys about um, just uh, maybe particular women from the Bible that have inspired you or, um, or stories that intrigue you. Um, did you have thoughts about about that. Rachel, do you want to, do you want to share a little bit? Sure. Um, yeah, I mean, lately I've been doing this, um, reading through the Bible in a year with this, it's, it's like chronological. So it's been really eye opening for me to just, um, kind of sit in, um, like the Bible historically, just from <laughs> Genesis onward and, um, and not in the order that, um, it's given to us, but, um, I um, spent some time in Judges, obviously, um, more in the beginning of the year, and I was really impressed with uh, Deborah, in particular, just being a, um, a judge. And I, I just love the whole idea of her, like, sitting under the tree of Deborah, you know? <laughs> like, there's even a tree named after her, and um, people would go and and uh, and seek her advice and her counsel and wisdom under a tree. I think that's just so cool, just having that image in my head. I also, um, I love the whole idea of, um, I think it's Barak. I'm not sure if I'm pronouncing it correctly, but, um, or Barak. Um, 
uh, I love how he goes to Deborah and says, um, I'm not going to go to war unless you come with me. <laughs> I just think that's so cool. Like the, the amount of um, comfort he found in her and just the strength that he saw in her um, in order to go forward. And then I love their song that they sing when they triumph. And I don't know. I just have this idea of maybe, like, should I try to write a song based on that? I don't know. Um, another is uh, Miriam. I just, I've always really liked Miriam's story. Um, you know, again, I'm I'm kind of in the Old Testament still. But uh, I love the whole story of Miriam, you know, uh, making sure that her brother is safe and, you know, in the, <laughs> in the river and, um, and then also just like just her whole storyline of um, being a prophetess, like the Bible is very specific about her being um, a prophet. So um, I, I, I've never really, I think when I looked at it recently, I was kind of surprised that the Bible lists her as a prophet. Um and then what's really also intriguing to me is the fact that she's a singer and a dancer and, and you know, she's an artist. And so um, she would lead everybody in song. And I just love this idea that artists and singers um, can be prophetic or are prophetic. Um, and so I just feel super inspired by that. Yeah. Those two that you mentioned... I guess I don't know for sure, but I would imagine that they're, it's kind of even more amazing that they had the roles that they had in that society where yeah. um, it was likely even more difficult to be a leader. Um, so their leadership skills and their connection to the Lord must have been quite something. Rebecca, how about you? Did you did you have some thoughts? Yeah, the, um, for me, I love Mary, mm. Jesus' mother, Mary, um, because she's so young. Um, and I love her her response that um, is just yes. Um, when the angel comes, she's afraid. But um, when he says this amazing, mind-blowing thing that couldn't possibly physically happen, her response is, of course. And she, she might have had um, a vague idea of the difficulties that she was stepping into and the cost that that would be. Um, she would have known that she would have been rejected by her society an outcast. She would have probably been divorced. She could have been stoned. She could have been killed. And yet she trusted that God had her. She didn't write out the experience as madness. Um, She truly trusted that that was God and that he was asking her to do this. And her response was, yeah, of course, absolutely. Yes, I'm going to do this. And I think I find that particularly striking when you compare it with just a few verses earlier, Zechariah, when exactly the same thing happens an angel comes and he's afraid and the angel says don't be afraid and then he gives the same piece of news you're going to have a child and his response (laughs) is nah (laughs) that that can't happen (laughs) and he's actually um in a position of authority a spiritual leader um and I suppose as um as I get older I want to keep hold of the Mary-like attitude um, and not become disheartened or, you know, a little bit um, 
soft around the edges or not not take the risks that that young Mary would take but actually to still be a risk taker she took a huge risk and I think that's the, the pattern that I see with so many of these women when you think around the context of which they're living in the risks they took were enormous mm. um, and countercultural, um, extremely brave um, they had mm. real guts and I just love that <laughs> I find it very very inspiring it's hard to I, there are so many men in the bible that are examples of of uh, bravery and courage and I, I i just love that we have examples as well um of women who stand up and do something that is completely out of the ordinary like mary um and you know she her being so young i mean that always baffles me mm. that someone that young 13 or 14 or whatever it was, um, mm-hmm. just would have that amount of, mm-hmm. of courage. I mean, I would be scared out of my mind. <laughs> Even if an angel approached me, you know, <laughs> like, what? <laughs> the thought of childbirth is scary enough, let alone the son of God. I yeah. mean, that's quite something, isn't yeah, it? Yeah, <laughs> exactly. And also in yeah. that time, I mean, just the amount of shame that she would have known that she was going to have to endure. Um, yeah. I think yeah. even even worse than now, perhaps. Um, so, so yeah, the eagerness that she had um, in being kind of excited, excited to be God's vessel was just incredible. That that um, overshadowed the um, whatever fear she might have, I'm sure, had knowing what she was going to be walking into. Are there any others, Rebecca, that um, have inspired or intrigued you? Yeah. Yeah. Um- very on a very personal level um hannah um my i had a long road to motherhood not as long as hers and not as painful um but i tasted a little of her pain um in in the waiting and the not knowing and the probably not of of the situation um and i love that she didn't run from god in that she ran to him um and she just pushed into God. There was nowhere else for her to go. And I think there are so many women, couples who face that particular issue. Um, And to see it written in black and white and somebody that came through the other side. And I've never quite been able to get my head round the fact of when she finally had her baby, she gave him straight back to God. You know, she waited till he was weaned and, and then she saw him once a year. And Her joy was so great in the fact of having this child, her first response was to give her very best back to God. Mm. Um, It blows me away. It absolutely blows me away that she finally had her dream fulfilled. Um, Before that, she she poured out her heart to the Lord um, and she faced her pain. And if we don't face our pain, (laughs) little preach, (laughs) I suppose, Um, uh, if we don't face our pain, we end up in bitterness and tied up. But she is an absolute demonstration of facing your pain, bringing it to God and allowing him to walk you through it. Um, And I think she was very, very brave. Again, um, uh, yeah, she had deep, deep anguish. She wept bitterly. Um, And she had years and years and years of bullying about her greatest pain. She didn't just suffer the fact that she didn't have children. Um, Her nemesis bullied her mercilessly and rubbed her children in her face. Um, And she had years of that. And 
uh, she was so distressed in her praying at the, at the temple steps mm. that actually no words mm. came out. It was like it was too painful to actually speak, and it was this it, this beautiful intimate moment of her and God and absolutely nobody else as this pain was just poured out. And I again, I think that allows us first of all we have an understanding of a situation that is very very common in this day and age. We have. Um, permission to be completely honest before the Lord um to to just absolutely pour out our heart and that there's there's a a permission of intimacy as well with the Lord that can come from something like that 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 you can absolutely tell him your inmost most desperate pain and he's there to listen and to lead you through it um and he hears it and I Mm. I just think that's extremely precious Mm. yeah one thing about um Hannah, that was amazing to me. I hope I'm remembering right. And if I'm wrong, you should edit this out. <laughs> but isn't, isn't the order, doesn't she bring all of her raw feelings before the Lord? And then it's like she gives it to him. And then it's not like she's ranting and ranting until she gets her way. Like if you look at the order that things happen, she pours everything yeah. out and then she kind of leaves it at his feet, you know, and, and then he... And then he promises a child. Um, so the order that that happens was amazing to me. That um, you know that it that it was it was showed a great deal of trust that she had in, in giving pouring out all of her feelings to him and, and her pleading, and then leaving it there, um, sort of, and trusting it in the Lord's hands. And the, and it wasn't until after that that he promises the child. Well, she also must have looked very earnest because Eli <laughs> thought she was drunk. <laughs> it's true. <laughs> so, I mean, we, in our in our raw honesty and vulnerability, we we don't look the greatest, but mm. the Lord is faithful. So, she, she was ugly crying <laughs> yeah. before the Lord. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> exactly. And and, she, and and Hannah gives us permission to do that. You know. Yeah. So that's beautiful. Love that. Yeah. Um, when I was kind of thinking about, um, yeah, there are so many women. And when I was thinking about um, ones that inspired me, I found that um, I was, well, one, one person that comes to mind is Esther. Um, and not so much because of, I mean, obviously because of the courage that she showed at the end of the story, but um, more inspiring to me because of where she started I mean, at the beginning of the story, you know, Queen Vashti is sort of the hero. She's the perfect feminist. You know, she's she's uh, called out to display herself before all these drunken men, right? And then she refuses. She doesn't go along with it, and she refuses. So she <laughs> seems like, you know, the role model in a way. Um, Esther, on the other hand, she uh, she's a people pleaser. She... Um, she kind of was doing whatever the men around her asked her to do. Her uncle, um, you know, she agrees to go into, th- I mean, she kind of doesn't have a choice either, although I suppose she could have refused. But going into a king she wasn't married to, um, you know, hiding her identity, I'm sure all kinds of food laws, all kinds of laws she would have broken um, doing what the, what was the, um, the assistant that was kind of spent a year with her explaining, you know, how she was supposed to prepare for the king, all these things. She's just like this very passive person, passive people pleaser. And, um, and so I find it, I mean, I, I 
am a little bit that way. I feel like I tend to be a people pleaser. And so to see um, the way she behaves in this very morally ambiguous situation and kind of hides her identity, and then to see the transformation um, through the course of the story where she moves from this uh, very passive people pleaser to um, a brave woman who starts giving orders and um, is willing to risk her very life for her people. Um, I find that to be inspiring just to know that maybe there's hope for me, you know, that God can um, take a a fearful person or a a passive person and really um, turn that upside down. And so I find that story to be very inspiring. Well, I think wouldn't she be um, considered more meek or um, humble, I think, in her bearing. Um, and and it's it's amazing because I think the Lord, you know, he, he promises us that the humble mm. will be exalted. And, you know, um, he I've seen time and time again in my life where um, those that are maybe more timid or, um, I guess, meek in the way that they live and the way that they um, that they encounter people. Um, I think the Lord raises them up as leaders and they become really, really good leaders. So, um, I, I think she, you know, Esther's a really great example of that. I love how she's very measured in her actions Mm. as well. She doesn't just jump in. Um, she Mm -hmm. takes her time and she thinks about it and she, girds herself up and she gets her courage and she prepares herself and then at the right time I, I'd probably a little bit more jump in and <laughs> just just get it done um, but you know she's quite inspiring in the way that she takes her time over it and she she waits and I'm assuming that in that that waiting and that preparation she was listening for God and his direction within that um, yeah rather than just trying to jump in and say no 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 this is wrong and it needs to be changed she waits and she yeah, finds the right moment. She's savvy the way um, she approaches the I king can... toward the end. And I mean, maybe you could see that as God taking a, um, her ability early on to kind of sense what perhaps what other people are wanting and her, her ability to be sensitive to other people's wishes and then kind of transforming that into a strength in her ability to persuade, I guess. Yeah. Another story that I um, I'm really really touched by also not so much for I mean we don't know so much about the the woman herself um, but it's just this encounter of the sick the the woman who had been bleeding for 12 years who um, has been suffering and going to all these doctors and she can't get better Um, she's just so full of shame and um, and in her shame she approaches Jesus with no intention whatsoever of connecting with him personally even. She's just desperate for her healing, and so she has this faith that um, if she just touches his garment, you know, that, um, that she might be healed. And I, um, I feel really touched by this story to find out, um, you know, kind of in, in this real-life encounter of the way Jesus treats her, um, just to reveal his heart for somebody that might feel like her, that feels like an outsider. Um, she would have been un- considered unclean um, besi- for these 12 years besides um, 
you know, all the suffering that she'd experienced, um, that he, he could have moved on. I mean, he was on his way to heal this very, very, very sick girl. Um, he was on a mission, but he, he, he could have moved on knowing that she had gotten her healing or whatever. But he, uh, in the story, he stops and he's very persistent. He's like, who touched me? I felt, you know, he felt power go out of him. And who's, who touched me? And he um, doesn't stop looking. There's like the sense of persistence on his part and looking to find the person because he wants to connect with her personally. Um, and she's terrified. She's trembling um, when she finally realizes that he's not going to give up till he finds whoever it was. And then for him to come into that situation to this woman um, and how she, in, in her terror and her shame um, and to call her daughter. I mean, that uh, is just incredible to me. Um, so I, I find that story of just, just knowing how the Lord perceives even someone um, with that much um, kind of shame, I guess, uh, is really beautiful. I think um, what's really beautiful about that story is like the fact that I believe Jesus knew mm. it was her who touched him and the fact that he, um, he was making a point by asking because he thought maybe, well, I mean, I'm not going to guess what he thought, but, um, you know, the woman probably thought, oh, if I just touch the hem of his garment, he may not know. It may just, you know, I have faith that I will be healed if I just touch. And Jesus wanted to point out that he knew, you know, mm. that he saw her. Mm. I just love that. It's such a beautiful picture of, you know, how um, we in our sufferings, um, just if we go to the Lord, um, we know that he sees us and, and we can have confidence mm. that he sees us. Before we wrap up, um, do either of you have thoughts about how you might approach the actual, like sort of practically speaking, how you would approach women in scripture challenge, how you might write? Um, I was, I think I've, I've already sort of mentioned, um, thinking about the cultural norms of the day. So not just reading the stories with our Western modern heads on, but thinking what would this have really meant at, at that time? Um, there's a, a book that I'm told is great, which has, I've, has been on my to read list for the past five years, which is called Jesus Through Middle Eastern Eyes. Um, and um, it's it's just really great at setting out what was going on and what actually a lot of these things would have meant in Jesus day. Um, so that is hopefully my summer reading. <laughs> Hopefully I'm going to get it done this year. Um, so, yeah, so thinking about what actually these situations might have been like um, for these women. Um, they were often in situations not of their own making or their choice, and they were restricted in what they could do within that. So how they acted might seem small in the ways that we look at it now, but they were the most that they could do um, at that time. Um, I'm not going to go into another. I've got a story, but I'm not going to. Um <laughs> um, yeah, so putting the women's acts into context, um, and I think that's where we'll find the drama and the courage within the story. Um, and then thinking maybe what is the equivalent situation today? It might um, seem quite small, uh, what they were fighting against from our current modern perspective. So what would an equivalent level situation be like today? And maybe think about... 
um, how we might feel if we were facing that and how where, where the courage might need to come from, how deep we might need to, to get into God in order to find the strength to face some of these situations that they were facing. Um, and to sit in prayer at an instrument, um, I never write a song without being in worship I can't do it I don't want to write songs I want to write worship and I want to to let worship out um so um to to sit at an instrument in prayer or even to have worshipped beforehand and then go into um just um some, maybe humming or, or or singing nonsense words and then seeing what words start to formulate out of that um that's often how I would start um writing um and then maybe a phrase would come and sort of see see how things go from there um but to reread some of these stories without our normal perception um oh yes I know this story well but to actually pray beforehand and say okay god what do you want me to see in this story that I haven't seen before? How do you want to reveal new truth to me in this um, so that I'm not just churning over old stuff and rechewing stuff? Um, and then I did wonder about um, thinking about the feminine nature of God. Um, there, There is a nurturing side. Um, there's a caring side. There are phrases like um, under the shadow of his wing or like a mother hen um, gathers her chicks. Um, the tenderness um, and the compassionate side. Maybe think about those sides of God's nature as well, rather than the rock and the fortress and the strength and the shield. There are sort of feminine um, sides as that. It's great thoughts. Holy cow. <laughs> um, it's... That's 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 challenging. I'm I'm a bit lazier <laughs> when it comes to songwriting. <laughs> I um I have this good friend who's um, a part of the Twelve Song Challenge uh, named Kate Blewett, who I do a, a considerable amount of songwriting with, and I I just send her scripture passages, and I say somehow make this knit this into um, a song uh, song lyrics. And I'll write a melody. I, I tend to write more melodies than I do lyrics, although I, I do write lyrics. Um, I just, I find that I find more pleasure in writing the melody and, and finding the proper feeling to fit the text, if that makes any sense. So I want the emotion to be um, sort of holistic and true to, to what um, the text is saying. And I'm not saying, you know, no one else does that, but I... I just, I, I kind of have a, uh, uh, I don't know, like a keen awareness of it, or maybe just a, I think I do, I don't know. Um, so I, I'm not quite sure how I'll, how I'll approach this uh, particular challenge. I'm, I'm thinking more. I might, um, I might try the Deborah thing, um, that song. I don't know if any people have tackled that one in particular. Um, it, I think it's difficult to think about this challenge as congregational singing. I, it'll be really interesting to see what people come up with because I, with some of these challenges, I'm thinking, or the themes, I'm thinking, oh, I don't know if people are going to come up with any good stuff. And, and they do. It's, it's completely surprising and it's delightful, actually. I really enjoy going through people's songs and listening to them and, and having, you know, 
I don't know why they would want my input, but like having some kind of input and they like, they actually think it's, you know, helpful. Um, but yeah, I, I think I'll probably, you know, go through, you know, I, I don't know, go through more scripture and just kind of look through the women a little more and see what inspires me. Cause I, I, I feel like I, I need a, a few more days to really, you know, let it sink in. And then I may just task Kate Blewett with, <laughs> with lyrics and, <laughs> and go that direction. Um, my MO is, is basically to open up, you know, Jeremiah or Lamentations or something and, and, you know, write a song trying to, you know, write word for word or whatever, um, for scripture. And yeah, the 12 song challenge has, has really like on it is a challenge i mean it's it's challenged me quite a bit to to get out of my comfort zone and to write differently um i think some of my stuff it's it's odd and so when i when i put it up people are like oh oh that's great you know like it's really cool and i i love that because you know when you realize that everybody has a different place in songwriting yeah. and you know it's there's beauty in in what everyone has to offer and so i think this particular challenge is going to be really interesting <laughs> um yeah i agree it's it's tricky um i've been thinking about this how to translate you know a story into a congregational song it's maybe not the most obvious thing um I, I feel like what I may do is take a look at these stories, but not necessarily look them, look at the stories, um, uh, a look at the women and try to necessarily write about the women, the specific woman's story per se. Um, yeah. I might kind of try and think about what about this story, what's being revealed about God's character and God's approach in this particular story. And so then it's yeah. not so much just a song about a woman you should copy, you know, uh, as inspiring as they are, but something, something about something about the Lord and, you know, either how he worked in that person. Um, I, I did come across, um, a song or there is a, a song, a hymn actually that I really love, called Helas Emmanuel that handled, um, again, the story of the woman who bled for 12 years. Um, and I thought it was done really well. So it's an older hymn by William Cowper. Uh, and the, um, the chorus is, um, heal us, Lord, you know, it's, it's, um, kind of a plea for healing from the Lord. And then the verses kind of list various people in in these stories, this woman being one of them who approaches the Lord for healing and then sort of uses that as kind of um, evidence in a way of, well, you healed them, you know, you, uh, it's, you, it kind of speaks to the story and then says, so therefore, you know, heal me, please. So that was, that was an interesting approach. Um, and I really like the gospel version. I don't, um, that uh, Kevin Twitt at Indelible Grace did he sort of redid mm -hmm. redid that and that's a beautiful song and it really works well um, congregationally too um, so that 
that's a, a nice example for me anyway of incorporating a story, but it's really the song is about asking for healing from the Lord. Yeah. Some of these scripture stories becoming our stories within yeah. a song, mm -hmm. right? Yeah. yeah. So cool. Um, well, thank you. Thank you guys so much. It's, it's incredible to hear your, your wisdom and your input, and I'm feeling excited about entering into this new month <laughs> of writing about women. Well, that was fantastic, full of so much uh, insight and wisdom and some great ideas for how to approach this challenge. Um, I'm looking forward to getting stuck into it. I'd be fascinated to see whether there's a, a marked difference between the way uh, the male songwriters approach it and the mm. female ones do. I don't know. We'll see, won't we, as it pans out. But yeah. Keiko, thank you ever so much for joining me and co-hosting this month. I hope you've enjoyed it and we can oh, have you back. My pleasure. My pleasure. And yeah, I'm excited for this month. Yeah, and uh, final thing to do this month is to introduce our featured song, which I'm very excited about because it is the first song from our brand new Doxicology album. We've been working on this for two years and I'm so delighted to finally be able to share something. And this song by uh, Joel Payne and Matt Weeks is called Heaven's Voice Brings the Dawn. Till next time, bye-bye. Bye. -bye. bye. Say